And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, that was a hard-fought uh, football game, to say the least. I tell you, I felt that we had uh, contribution from all three phases, and uh, you know, I, I felt that was clearly the, our best uh, team football that we played this year. So it was it was good to see the production, uh, starting with the offense and moving the football, um, and the ability to, to stay with the run and pass mix. Uh, they primarily play base defense to you know. And load it up against the run, trying to you know, obviously make the, make the passing game be the emphasis. I thought Kellen Moore showed great patience. Um, I thought the defense really built off of what we've established the last couple of weeks. Um, so really, really feel the defensive group, you know, more comfortable. Obviously, um, you know, just 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 playing together, and you know, I think we're we're, we're past the, the spot where we're out there thinking. So special teams, you know, we knew we needed to. A big player, two play, two big plays in in the game today, and we were able to get that on both the throwback and the and the kickoff return. So, a tough game, uh, but you know, once again, it came you know came down to taking care of the football. So, you know, we we, we have to we have to get rid of that. That's that has haunted us all year, and uh, we had way we we obviously had more penalties than they did. So, um, love the way the guys fight. I'm proud of you know what we. Had to go through to get to this point. Uh, we just, you know, keep having a challenge after challenge, and uh, these guys keep keep answering it. So um, disappointed, very disappointed. I, I felt our players uh, did enough today to, to be an excellent football team. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed? Well, they almost did it. The Cowboys almost pulled off the impossible. They were leading. They were winning the game. Should have stopped the game earlier than when we did because leave it up to Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers to come back and make it a game and make it a win. Steelers move to 8-0 in the season. Your Dallas Cowboys move to 2-6. Where do we go from here? Where do the Cowboys go from here? We will discuss it all on this episode of About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent Garrison producing, reminding you, the listener, to become a member of The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys. Cash in your $1 to become a member of our athletic community. Get access to all of our coverage across all of our platforms, verticals, every single podcast we do, ad-free on our app. Interact in real time with our great writers like John Mishota during the games, things like that, all on our athletic app. So go to theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys to cash that in now. So now let's welcome in this panel we've got here to break this down. First, the Athletics father, John Mishota, and Saad Youssef, and 97-1, the Eagles, Kevin KT Turner. And guys, we are all predicting a blowout, man. We all were. <laughs> Last week, we're all guilty of it. It wasn't that. Garrett Gilbert showed a little bit of moxie. The defense showed something. But good God, KT, <laughs> Jalen Smith might have just 
completely destroyed this game single handedly. Yeah, but he also saved their uh, you know top three draft pick. Um, <laughs> and I'm only I'm only kind of kidding um, because I think you could flip a coin on what Cowboys fans might actually feel about that whole thing. I, I, yesterday was so weird. We'll talk about a lot of things. Uh, at, we'll start with you, Father John. Though, at what point did you go? Wow, this is really happening. Like, how early in the game did that happen? Oh, I think when they went up thirteen to nothing, and even at nineteen to nine, I still was like, "Wow, this is this is pretty impressive." Um, you know, I, I I have a tough time going too far either way on this game. I can see the positives. You know, obviously the defense. I mean, let's just let's be honest here. They tried hard. There was effort, so there that's there's that's a positive. I mean, when you look back to just a few weeks ago against Arizona and Washington, so that's a start. Um, you know, you didn't get any turnovers, but we're used to that. We knew we knew Philly was an outlier. We knew that that wasn't there wasn't you can't depend on that. But there were improvements on the defense, and um, there were a lot of things that, like you know, Kent mentions Jalen Smith that were you know stuff that we've seen in the past, but. Um, them, so they stopped James Conner. They, he never really gets going. And that surprised me. I thought for sure he could just basically walk out there with his helmet on backwards and go for 120 yards. So, uh, keep him in check was pretty impressive. But then the other side of it though, it's like, okay, you are kind of the underdog the rest of the season. You're, you're, you're you're running punts where you're, you know, having returners throw it to other guys on on your special teams unit. You're clearly playing like, you know, this is March madness and and you're the underdog. So it's like, do I read too much in this? It's like one of these things where it's hard for me from game to game to sit there and say like, yep, corner has been turned. Here we go. Like I need to see this every week. And then the other, then the other positive you can go off of is Garrett Gilbert. But at the same time, there was also enough we've seen in that game where it's like, I don't know that you go with him as the starter for the rest of the season. I saw some of that after the game. Like, I, I mean, he had a nice game, and 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 I, I think he can maybe contribute something as like a number three quarterback, maybe even a backup going forward. But like, I don't know that he did enough in that game where I'm just like, yep, Gilbert's your guy the rest of the season. Andy Dalton, thanks for everything you did. We're here. We go. We're out. Like he showed some things. He was solid early on. Didn't turn the ball over. Um, but like when they got the ball back late, I, I didn't have like a lot of faith that they were gonna go. <laughs> And, and drive on, on the Steelers and, and, and get a victory. But um, I think where we're at in this season, I don't think we're looking for a complete 180 turnaround. That's just not going to happen. There's too many key guy injured. But the way they've played these last two weeks, you at least see it trending in the right direction. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the main things that I that I felt was, uh, actually, I'll, I'll just quote John's thing from his uh, story yesterday that I think is really important. Um, and, and, and John wrote, Mike McCarthy doesn't need moral victories. He needs actual wins. The way Dallas finishes the season goes beyond this year. And I think that's the big thing to remember is that this isn't just about this season at this point anymore. Like, I mean, the, you know, the best way that I can put it is this is kind of like an extended preseason. And the preseason is never about the actual preseason. It's about, you know, making the right roster moves and evaluating talent for the upcoming season. And so this is just a big extended preseason for the Cowboys to really find out what they have for next year. And uh, and so I think it's going to be important that, you know, that, that they are able to really look at this and, and find which players are going to be here for the long haul. And I think uh, the way that they played yesterday, there were quite a few players that, like, you know, just popped off the screen. To me, Neville Gallimore had, had probably, you know, his best game as a Cowboy. And so those are the kind of things that you want to see. And uh, and I think we saw some of that yesterday on both sides of the ball. 
I also thought Randy Gregory was pretty good yesterday, too. And maybe he didn't show up uh, on the stat sheet, you know, having three sacks or something like that. But I thought Randy Gregory was pretty good against the run and uh, was there on a couple of big plays. Um, you know, there, a few things that I'm looking for as this season continues is, you know, how does the defense respond to a poor first half? Um, young players, like you just mentioned, the guys like Neville Gallimore and, and things like that, how the offensive linemen develop in the young players, but also coaching situations as well. I'm looking for all these types of things, but I remember, you know, was mentioning this on this podcast earlier in the season, when a new defensive system comes in, I've always given them two months or eight games, and you've seen two pretty good efforts. Now, the Eagles game, that's a bad offense. We know that. Carson Wentz played terrible. Look, the Steelers' offense is pretty high-powered. And for the Cowboys to do a pretty good job against them, obviously Claypool, you know, really all the, all the wide receivers ended up having uh, pretty good pretty good games. But that, that Steelers' offense didn't really get it in, into gear until it really had to, and, and really until the Cowboys started giving them good field position at the end of the second quarter uh, with the C.D. Lamb fumble. But I think maybe if we're seeing a little bit of buy-in defensively, maybe all this talk of a fire Mike Nolan, all the freak out, like, you know, like, once you sit and calm down and the players even calm down a little bit and go, you know what, nothing's changing, this is what we have, and kind of start buying into the system, you see some pretty good efforts because I think you'll take that every week, what you got yesterday um, against Pittsburgh from a defensive effort standpoint, wouldn't you guys? Yeah, for uh, for sure. I agree with you on, on the defensive side. I also throw in special teams. There's been plenty of games this year where there haven't been enough guys on the field, too many guys on the field, uh, too many penalties, and y- you're not still in that game without the way the special teams played, you know? I mean, like I mentioned earlier, that, that <laughs> Cedric Wilson throwback to C.J. Goodwin, I mean, the, the part that I find is interesting about that whole play is just the fact that earlier in the game, you know, the Cowboys were, were back to receive a punt and Cedric Wilson was back there instead of CeeDee Lamb. And that was kind of surprising. Well, the reason that was like that is because it was setting up that play. You know, if you all of a sudden take CeeDee Lamb off the field, like CeeDee Lamb returns the first punt, okay? Then on the next punt, Cedric Wilson's back there. You know, teams are going to look at that like, that's kind of weird. Why is he back there? Like, you know, but for them to start with, with, with Cedric Wilson back there because CeeDee Lamb offers you a better chance for a bigger return, but Cedric Wilson is a guy who has a good arm. And I can tell you, uh, every time he touches the ball, I think we all know this by now, like there's a, there's a chance that he might be throwing it, you know, and they've made that pretty clear. So that was a good play. Uh, they had the Rico Dowdle return. They blocked a, a kick, uh, Tyrone Crawford. Um, I thought the special teams did a lot to, to keep them in the game and forget just this year. I mean, last year you were never saying that. I mean, that was probably the worst special teams unit in the league. So I feel like you're seeing some improvement on that side of the ball as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the special teams is, is doing its job too. By the way, the 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 weird thing about that Cedric Wilson thing, um, I, I you know obviously I'm watching the game from home and and Romo and Nance were just talking about how like the last few guys to throw touchdowns and they mentioned Cedric Wilson and then just right after that uh, he made that play. So I thought that was interesting. But uh, KT, to go back to your point, I think the defense uh, there were encouraging parts. I mean, I thought Leighton Vanderash did a pretty good job. Um, Jalen, you know, look, Jalen's gonna Jalen. Like, I mean, he's at at the end of the day, he's gonna make some of those plays that, that, you know, that, that leave you scratching your head. Um, 
and, and you know, that's a tough roughing the passer. Like, not, not, not in the sense that, you know, it's any controversial. It's clearly roughing the passer. It just sucks that, you know, the rule is as soft as it is that that does result in that. Um, but there were a few, there were a couple of questionable penalties um, that, that, you know, I think could have gone either way. And I think, you know, at the, at the end, you just hope that this Cowboys team going forward is able to overcome some of those, but you're not really you're not really mad about it in the moment because they're still making plays. I mean, you know, they were still knocking Ben Roethlisberger to the ground. One thing I found kind of interesting: this was like the first game in a long time that the Cowboys didn't have a sack, but it didn't feel like that because Ben Roethlisberger was under duress for most of the night. Evidently, you know, also he even got hurt. So, I mean, you know, that much was obvious. Hey, is that, could that also be a negative though? That how banged up he was, like to the point where you didn't think he was going to play in the second half? Like, don't you think they should have had at least one sack? I'm not trying to be the negative guy here. Sorry, go on, KT. Uh, no, 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 I, I'm His with His mobility you, is like what ours is. So I'm just, I, I mean, and he's not the guy anymore that like stays in the pocket and you just have to like, oh, there's four guys hanging on him and look at Ben still makes the throw. Like, he's not that guy either. So at the same time, you're kind of like, okay, so how come there wasn't more pressure? It's not like he's running around back there, like dicing him up, but I don't know. Sorry, go on. Well, well no, no, I, I think uh, I think you make a good point, but he, he was uncomfortable. Um, yeah, so, and he gets thing- the ball out quick. I mean, that, there's no question about that. There was a play in the first half, and I, I believe it was ten to nothing after the time. This is after the Cowboys uh, scored the after the CD Lamb touchdown, and Roethlisberger, it was the third and four, and Roethlisberger was out to pass, and Deontay Johnson was wide open, and Roethlisberger just missed him, just threw it behind him, his little touch pass, and he threw it behind him, and I was like, "What's going on?" And then you kind of rewatched that play to see what happened. And he was like kind of moving around, like he just wasn't able to like sit there calmly and deliver the ball. Which, you know, he, Ben Roethlisberger was not good in the first half. Really, you know, the Cowboys they got up thirteen nothing, and then you know, what's the Steelers? Uh, they ended up getting a score, uh, the touchdown pass to James Washington. You know, I thought a big play in the game, <laughs> a big sequence in the game. Um, you know, the, the CD Lamb fumble, which there we go, turning the ball over again. That's not a good thing. Um, and then just the most 2020 Cowboys thing ever is the Steelers miss a 54-yard field goal at the half, but it's a false start on them, so they have to line up and kick it again from 59, and then they drill it. Like, come on, we were out, we were out of, it was 13, it would have been 13-6, to 6. we would have been in good shape, and then like the Steelers get a penalty, and their penalty benefits them. It was just the most... It was just like the perfect Murphy's Law of Cowboys football this year. If anything can go wrong, it will. But they came out and kind of dominated in terms of like owning the possession of the ball, dominated the third quarter. Uh, They were able to make two field goals out of it. Look, the offensive line is a problem, but Garrett Gilbert understood you have to get rid of the ball. He did take a couple sacks, but I think pretty much any quarterback is going to take a couple sacks right now with this uh, incarnation of this offensive line. But he had what the Nooch didn't have, and that was an inner play clock and the idea of I have to throw it. And then, you know, one thing I'd like to see Garrett Gilbert do a little more is just take the five yards. If you can run up and slide, take the five yards a little more often. But his awareness was was the big difference there. I mean, it's not a shot at Danucci, trust me. Danucci probably shouldn't have been out there last week, and he just had to. But, like, Gilbert's competent football play or quarterback play 
gives this team a chance to go sneak a few victories out. And I'd say the same thing about Andy Dalton. I don't know if I'd say the same thing about Cooper Rush, because quite frankly, I've never seen competent quarterback play out of him in an NFL game. I hadn't seen it from Garrett Gilbert either until yesterday, but this team's got enough on offense from a playmaker standpoint on the outside and a combination of Zeke and Pollard to actually sneak out and keep games competitive if they have competent quarterback play. Yeah, and and he deserves credit for that. There's there's no question. I I thought it was going to be really bad just because of what I we were too. coming off of against Philadelphia and the fact that it's he was the guy that was still on the team and they could have started him against Philadelphia, but they went with Ben DiNucci. And now you look back on it and you're like, they probably should have started Garrett Gilbert. I mean, I'm not saying that they would have won that game either, but he certainly gives you a better chance to win uh, than a seventh-round rookie draft pick who hasn't had any preseason games. With the Cooper Rush thing, I'll say – we at least saw there were there were multiple preseason games where he actually played pretty well. Now we got to go back a few years for that, but that was the only time he really had extended playing time. And so I, I don't think that I don't think that he would be in the contention either. I think it's pretty clear now. If any game going forward that Andy Dalton can't start, Garrett Gilbert is starting. I, I think that's I think that one's pretty clear. Um, and I agree with you on the on the weapons. As long as they can give whoever's at quarterback a little bit of time, as long as those weapons are healthy. I, you know, you should be able to make some some decent throws and, and find a matchup that's favorable to you. Look at the C.D. Lamb touchdown pass. Uh, you know, you want you want T.J. Watt on C.D. Lamb. Yeah, let's find more of those plays. I mean, he's a great pass rusher. He's great on the line, but you do not want him defending C.D. Lamb in, in pass coverage. So that play obviously worked out well for them. So, um, yeah, it, it, it it's tough because... Like I, de- I definitely want to point out the positives because there were definitely ones from that game. But at the same time, you're in this territory where it's like, you know, like, de- like even after the game, Mike McCarthy still talks about stacking wins. I'm like, do you really want to be stacking wins now? What are we stacking wins for? You know, like I know he's stacking wins for his program. Like he wants it to keep going in the right direction, like I wrote after the game. But at the same time, uh, I think it's pretty clear where they're at right now. Their best, their best bet is to have a top five pick. And so... um yeah, maybe maybe they go with Garrett Gilbert more for the rest of the season because maybe that gets them closer to that goal of of getting the worst record possible. But as they as they played the last two weeks, I don't think that's going to happen. So if you're total in on Team Tank, I don't think that they're going to go in, in that direction yet. I don't think you'll see this even to the last few games of the season. If it, I, I think that because of them trying to set up the program and and try and build off of this year into into the off season and next year, I think they're going to try and give themselves a chance to win every one of these games going forward. Yeah, and and the thing that I'll say about Garrett Gilbert is, and and you know, I I think his performance surprised a lot of people. It didn't really surprise me a ton, uh, to be quite honest with you. Um, I I even told one of my friends that like you know I think I, I think the Cowboys will still get their butts kicked, but I thought that Garrett Gilbert is going to have a pretty decent day. And the reason why is because I remember one time in the last couple of years we had a conversation with Rod Marinelli um, out at the Star. And he talked about how when quarterbacks just don't put, just don't have film um, on tape, like that, like when teams can't prepare for a for a specific quarterback, it's harder for defenses to prepare. So now you're not really going against a certain style of quarterback in Garrett Gilbert. You're going against a guy like you know you you saw uh, Romo on the broadcast talk about like you know don't blitz him because of because of this. You want to have him like. Uh, you want to have him hold the ball and things like that. You're going against fundamental 
concepts instead of playing to the strengths and weaknesses of the quarterback. We didn't know, and, and the Steelers didn't know, nobody knew what Garrett Gilbert's strengths or weaknesses were yesterday. Yeah. This is also why you don't label quarterbacks busts or successes until like year two or three. Because, yeah, sometimes for that first season, they'll have a great year until teams figure them out. So my point is, Garrett Gilbert, you know, for, even if he looked a little better than what, you know, we saw from Andy Dalton earlier in the year, remember, teams are going to start figuring Garrett Gilbert out. They're going to start, uh, you know, doing some of the things where, uh, you know, taking away some of the stuff that he likes to do. So I think that's all context that's really important to remember when you're when you're judging the quarterback position. Hey, hold on real quick. What does that say about Ben DiNucci? You want to talk about a surprise element. They didn't have anything on him, and he didn't play well at really at all against Philadelphia. And you couldn't be more surprising than him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, they had him thrown out in the flat to Michael Gallup uh, over and over again. But I and I agree with Saad on that. It is it's in your advantage not to have any tape. But that is just that's that doesn't look good for Ben DiNucci because you couldn't come with more of a surprise attack than a guy that didn't even play major Division One football. Ben DiNucci is like when you go like adopt a dog from a shelter and then you let it in your house for the first time and it just starts running around everywhere. It's kind of like just kind of going wild. You can't. I mean, the 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 guy is just the guy was trying right. Like he was. Look, yeah, I can't even like. How about this? How about this idea? Everyone's because what Saad just said, right? I remember Bill Cower on the halftime shows, like they're gonna, the Steelers are gonna adjust to Garrett Gilbert. Just wait, they haven't seen tape on him. Just wait, quarterback rotator like that next week. Who's it gonna be? We're not gonna tell you because we're the Cowboys and we're we keep secrets unless a sideline reporter asks us. Then I'll tell them everything. Tracy Wolfson. Let me tell you our game plan. But otherwise, well, I'm going to tell everyone else nothing. Uh, Cooper Rush on Thursday or Friday, we find out it's Cooper Rush. How about that? Yeah, and it's and it sounds like it was more Garrett Gilbert in practice. It wasn't a 50-50 split like it was yeah. being sold, that they knew that Garrett Gilbert was going to be the starter. But yeah, you're right. And, and to Saad's point, there's that element of surprise because you really don't know what you have there. So yeah, that would be interesting. I will say this, though, because of how solid Gilbert was, I don't. I think that they would rather him go another start than to go to Cooper Rush if that Absolutely. was the case. But because of what you're saying, that that keeps <laughs> that keeps Cooper Rush in the mix. So keep that keep that arm warmed up. I, I just feel like too that one of the other elements of surprise is like, and not to take anything away from Tony Romo's prediction or anything like that, but like, I feel like almost like every time Cedric Wilson touches the ball, there's a fifty percent chance he might be throwing it. Like I mean, that's pretty much. It's not like we see him get a, a ton of receptions, and when you do. Like I feel like when he's touching the ball, I guess I don't know. I might be I might be speaking a little bit to stuff I've seen in practice as well on trick plays. But anyway, I digress. Go ahead. Well, they need to turn Cedric Wilson into more than a wide receiver four. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'm not saying. Oh, he's quarterback Taysom. four too. Yeah, he's I mean, wide yeah, receiver exactly. slash quarterback four. And I'm not saying he's, he's Cordell Stewart. Hill. Sorry, I don't say make him Taysom Hill, but like. Uh, when Corderell Patterson is in the game for the Bears, there's a chance that he is going to run the ball or they're going to do something wacky with him, you know? Like, let's keep Cedric Wilson in the mix at all times. He's a good bit to have on your team. And he's turned out to be a pretty good uh, wide receiver who can step in if one of your big three is hurt. Um, now, I, I, will, I, will, I will say this just to get it out of the way because I know there are, like, I'm telling you, it's amazing I'm the type of personality, at least for me, I'm wired where at kickoff time I want to win the game. Like, I just, 
I just, I fundamentally will not, I, I have a hard time pulling against the team, right? I want to win the game. Um, but man, the uh, social media back backlash I got for even trying to win the game on Twitter is like, no, no, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're going to ruin the draft. They're kind of right. If the Cowboys would have won yesterday, their reverse draft order would have them around the 10th pick in the draft. And since they lost, they have the, right now, the third pick in the draft. Now there's well, one, two, Real three, quick four, on five, that one. Seven teams with two wins. I went back and I looked at the last few few seasons, and I think we can all agree this team isn't winning more than four games. I think that's the ceiling. I think that's what Vegas has the ceiling on as well. Yeah. Um, if you are if you're at four and twelve, like you're you're still in the top five. I think people think if they win like four games, all of a sudden it knocks them back to like nine or ten because that's where they would be right now if they had four wins. But four and twelve pretty much puts you in the top five. When you only win two games, that's when you can mess around and be picking like two or three. And in a lot of years, you can be in contention for the first overall pick. But I think even if they win another game, I still think they're they're going to be they're going to be fine as, as getting a top five pick. So. Um, everybody that, that is full in on team tank, you know, just keep that in mind. Yeah. And I think I, I'm going to, I don't want to sound like I'm like, you know, overly critical about that viewpoint. I, I understand where people are coming from, um, what the want for a better draft pick, but I think it's really interesting to have this conversation in light of the Steelers game because, <laughs> because, because remember, this is a team that was digging down the Cowboys, uh, d- digging down their quarterback depth chart last year. They were playing Devlin Hodges or whoever that was. And at no point did you really feel like they were completely looking to tank. Um, They were trading for Minka Fitzpatrick. They were still doing the things that they needed to do to win football games. And, you know, I think when we talk about what's the big difference, and, and look, Ben Roethlisberger came out and said it yesterday. Look, the Cowboys could be America's team, but the Steelers are the world's team and, and things of that sort. I think you know when you look at the big difference between the quality of between the quality of franchise that the Cowboys are and like for example the Steelers are, um, I think that's a big difference. Is you just don't th- you don't think about like okay we need to like lose games and things like that. You think about how to properly assemble a team and uh, and you know I know Bob Sturm has written about this on the Athletic a bunch of times and I know John has as well. Uh, talent is one thing, and I think you do need to assemble. A good amount of talent because there's no amount of coaching or whatever that could really turn this season around. But the, one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest problems with the Cowboys, as Bob uh, dubs it, is the country club culture that's been around for like the last 25 years. And a lot of that goes into these these kind of moments where you know you're so actively just looking to lose games to get a couple better draft picks. Look, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the, those franchises. The New England Patriots, the the Pittsburgh Steelers, they don't do those kind of things. The Patriots are still trying to ride Cam Newton to try to get this thing turned around, while you know the, the Cowboys and Cowboys fans are already looking about like you know we don't want the number six pick, we want the number three pick. And so I I, I don't know. It just kind of it just kind of takes me the wrong way a little bit. I have to disagree with you completely on that. I have to go against you on this one. I agree with you on the fan standpoint. There's nothing the organization has done that makes you think that they want to tank. I mean, I mean, I understand that because of the injuries they're starting the right, quarterbacks right. that I'm, they I'm, are. I'm only talking about the fans. I'm not talking about— Okay, well, about- you did say the organization, so that's why I'm just saying, like, they, they have not said anything about wanting to tank. No, this goes back to—well, just real quick, you know, going back to last week when I said this team is going to organically tank, they're not good enough to win— 
football games, they will lose games. I I, I was more talking about, you know, uh, and, and I tweeted about this last night too, that I don't have a pulse on the Steelers fan base. Um, I don't follow enough Steelers fans, but you just don't hear Steelers fans talking about tanking and wanting to tank and wanting to have a better draft pick. So I was more talking about the fans and the team tank that that is from the outside. I'm not talking about the organization itself. Okay, well, if we're going to the fans too, here, I'll take a shot at the fans. Um, Also, when you go up to Pittsburgh, they would never let what happened yesterday happen in Pittsburgh with how many fans were in their stadium. So the fan base things are, are their own separate discussion. And 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 to the Cowboys fan base credit, I also can understand why they would want to tank because of the fact of the the times where this team has improved the talent on its roster, it's been when it's had a high draft pick. And 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 if they wouldn't have had the back to back games against Arizona and Washington, I don't know that everybody would be falling on Team Tank. But when you see them play that bad, t- on top of how how many injuries and key injuries they've had, and then you look at the way where this season's going, and it doesn't look like it's going to get better, I understand their sense of like, hey. We're not going to make any playoff run. We've already seen this before. Let's go and get a top five pick because we know the best thing our organization can do is draft, and, and particularly when they draft high in the draft. I mean, that's when they've had the most success. That's where they've put in the best talent on this roster is from drafting high. And and so I understand that side of it. But, but from the organization standpoint, I mean, I see people criticize them more for still wanting to win and talking about like from Mike McCarthy to Jerry Jones to Stephen Jones to the players they've all said how that you know they're not they don't want it they're not thinking about tanking they're trying to win as many games as possible so you know that I'm just saying that it needs to be separated yeah. what the fans think and then what the actual team is, is doing because I haven't seen anything on the field where I've, I felt like yeah they're all in on tanking and we could see that but I haven't seen it yet no you're I've right. actually seen it the opposite way where I think they're playing harder and playing better so I think from an organization standpoint, I completely agree with you. And and you know, like I read off of your of your call or of of your takeaways that you read out that you wrote after the game. I, I think you know this, Mike McCarthy has to establish a better culture because what good does it do when you're bringing a top three four talent into just a completely toxic losing culture? So you do as a coach want to establish a winning way and things like that. So I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think you you know you just hope for a lot of people yesterday and, uh, and and the Eagles game is the perfect way for this team to operate the rest of the way where there's a lot of fight there's a there's a decent culture of, of wanting to improve being established but draft picks are still improving at the end of the day I think that's the ideal scenario um, but if but you don't want to go to where you know this is just completely blowouts every night or every week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The two blowouts, as John mentioned earlier, and then like, oh, the Eagles on primetime and we're running out the nooch. Like that's, that does make you want to like light fireworks all around your uh, <laughs> your house and see what happens. Um, but no, th- this is what I'll say, though, kind of what I was going to earlier with the competent quarterback play and a defense that will give that effort yesterday. Again, you will have a few talent questions. You're still asking questions about Xavier Woods. Um, you know, Anthony Brown has been pretty solid the last, really, really all year. But Anthony Brown, like, the more I see him, I go, you know what, I don't, I kind of see him as a starting cornerback in this league. Um, and I know he can do it here, but can he do it on a really good team with loaded talent? I mean, I, I don't know that Cheeto and Jordan Lewis have done anything to like be back next year. I don't know about Xavier Woods either. Like, I still have big-time questions. The more you see of Donovan Wilson, the more he finds himself in the right spot. He's not missing tackles very often. You know, things like that. Like, you're having... You're, you're finding little things like that, and you're kind of just kind of marking them, uh, mental notes and going, okay, that's coming back next year. Trevon Diggs, I mean, at least five times a game, he makes a play, a good play, or he's in the right spot, you know, to either break up a pass or come make a tackle uh, off the edge at quarterback. And you go, okay, nice. Seeing Randy Gregory take those steps and seeing Neville Gallimore take those steps. Uh, I mean, we know Demarcus Lawrence, what he is. You know, I. Linebacker, I think Leighton Vanderesh has proven that he's still pretty good player. Uh, he made a couple tackles yesterday that you know you're like, man, I wish we had those tackles when he was healthy in the first part of the season. Knock my microphone over. I got excited there. Um, but like again, you look at the snap count and Jalen Smith was a top five. You know, like they're not taking Jalen off the field at any point. Um, and I just I don't look the penalties or whatever. You what what side said earlier? Jalen's going to Jalen. That's fine. I, I thought it was very – there's a couple of things I look at that in the, those situations is, well, these situational penalties can't happen. Like, situational penalties matter. Uh, situational decisions from the coach matter. Fourth and inches. Let's go. We're two and six. What are we doing? Let's go for it. Why are we kicking field goals? Because we're ahead? We do have a good field goal kicker this year, though. How about that, Kent? You like that probably. But, like, <laughs> was anyone else with me on this that we're two and six – what this uh, the devil may care attitude on the fake punt? Well, you, 
the devil cared quite a bit on fourth and inches when you kicked a field goal. The probabilities say go for it. Like, what are we doing there? Does anyone? Am I the only one who's going to beat up the coach for that, or does anyone else want to jump in on this? <laughs> I mean, I you're making a, you're making a good point. I can't I can't disagree with the point that you're making. Um, and consistent, I, he says, be more consistent. He's inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, I just, it, that one, I just don't have a huge problem with either way. I, I understood because they had the lead and they were actually playing very, see, that's the thing. Like you also, you are also got to take in consideration. That's probably about as good as the defense has played in, in a while. So you, you're, you're, I know that we sit there from afar and are like, we don't trust this defense. This thing's going to collapse at some, collapse at some point. Please don't rely on the defense, but he's looking at his, let's play complimentary football. We have a lead. Let's get the extra three points and, and play good solid defense as opposed to turning the ball over there. So that's um, so fun. I didn't, I didn't, it's, it isn't any fun. And I, and I agree where you're coming from. Like, like I said earlier in the show, I mean, they are like the lower seed in the NCAA tournament. So why not take all your chances, you know, but if we're looking at just from a, a game winning standpoint, I really didn't have a major issue with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I like I, I didn't really like that first fourth of inches that they didn't go for in the first quarter because at that point we didn't really know how good this team was gonna was gonna play the rest of the game and they kinda had the momentum at that time. Now they were they were kind of backed up in their own field position, so I get it, but this is when they when they punted the ball. So that that was one that I think but but yeah, KT overall in the moment, I'm definitely with you. I mean, you know, I, I, I was kind of frustrated that they didn't go for it only because it was fourth and inches. If it was fourth and two, kick the field goal. That's fine. I get it. Take the points. But if it's fourth and inches, uh, you know, just uh, Garrett Gilbert could have picked that up with a quick quarterback sneak. I, I mean, I don't really have many doubts about that. Um, but like John said, and I think, and you know, Mike McCarthy said this after the game as well. He's doing whatever he feels is the best situational uh, football to win the game. And, uh, and you know, I, I'm certainly not – I'm playing armchair coach over here right now just by saying that, but I'm not going to question a guy who's literally done this his entire life. I get it. I yeah. just don't I, – I just don't really agree with it, you know, just from an outsider standpoint. I've seen them empty the playbook last week like they did. Maybe they had to because of the quarterback. But seeing them empty the playbook last week with – gimmicks and then we're rolling out the fake punts it's like okay well that doesn't match up for playing conservative and settling for field goals like there's got to be a tone somewhere that says i don't care like week one think about the think about the game management discussions we were having at week one you know going forth there late in the game against the rams or whatever like it's it just like it, it's just so different than what we're talking about here it's just tough inches. to judge it right now because of the quarterback situation and that offensive line situation. Yeah, okay. You give me that exact fourth go. and one with the exact same score with Tyron Smith out there and Lyle Collins and Dak Prescott, they're going to go for it. But you got to you got to change up what you're doing when you have an inexperienced quarterback like Garrett Gilbert out there who's never even made an NFL start before. I know that he's not young like a rookie and he has played with several other teams, but that's his first career start. I don't think they wanted to do too like I think the way things were going, the momentum was in such a positive direction. Not let's not ruin it. Let's get some points out of this thing. Let's keep it rolling in, in, in this direction, uh, and and maybe we're able to hang on with the way our defense is playing uh, for the rest of the game. Maybe we get a touchdown here or there. I don't. I, I know that they didn't want it to come down to the way it did, where it's on Garrett Gilbert's shoulders and he's got to try and lead you to a comeback. They didn't want that. They wanted the defense to be. Uh, you know what was going to end up winning the game for them. So that's, that's uh, the I think you have to you, you have to factor in the personnel. 
That's the answer I was looking for to, to turn me back into a rational human. Thank you, John. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Zeke was a question mark to, to play uh, before the game, has the on-field workout. They decided to let him play. 18 carries for 51 yards. Uh, he had a couple catches as well. I thought Zeke, you know, kind of – I think he played fine. Like, Zeke's effort is never never a question. Uh, but, man, it was quite clear that Tony Pollard was your best running back yesterday. Yeah, especially if you're looking for the big runs that we haven't seen f- from Zeke and you had multiple 20-yard uh, runs from, from Tony Pollard. Uh, that was that was a really positive sign considering we know what this offensive line is. It isn't the ones of years past. And so, um, you know, Zeke was a little banged up, so, you know, he gets that. But in terms of the burst, there's no question that Tony Pollard ha- has more of that. I mean, he hits the hole and, and goes and – uh, there were, yeah, there were some nice runs in there. I think you're going to see more of that. It's not going to be a 50, 50 split, but you're going to see Tony Pollard getting more carries for multiple reasons. One, because Zeke's obviously dealing with this hamstring issue. Uh, does that get better with the bye week You know, I mean, it, it all depends on the severity of it. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> Brian, uh, Tyler Biotish is, is warming up before the game and, and, injures his hamstring and then all of a sudden here we go Joe Looney's starting the game so you never really know with hamstrings I mean I think most people listening to this show and the guys hosting this show obviously we've thought Cheeto Wuzier would be back by now but you never really know with a hamstring and so I can see Tony Pollard getting more uh touches going forward and that's a good thing let's see more of him you know I mean there were spurts that we saw him last year where you're like all right this is going to get him involved in the game plan more he was one of the players who I thought was going to have a bigger impact on this season we haven't really seen that but but last night or uh, yesterday during the day that was yeah that was a positive that was a positive going forward because you know if, if you do have these issues like Zeke has with the injuries or he's not effective it's it's nice to have another option back there so uh, again that was one of the positives that came out of that game for sure yeah and I think also with Tony Pollard you know uh first of all you can't let his his special team struggles kind of taint who he is as a as a running back, I think that's important uh, if you're just you know watching him. Secondly, John, I'm kind of curious about how you feel about this. This is just a theory in my head. I, I think Tony Pollard is almost more suited for what this team is right now than Zeke is. And I don't mean I'm not taking a shot at Zeke. I don't think he's a bad player, but or anything like that. I just think when you have a banged up offensive line and things like that, you're not they're not opening creases and holes for anybody, anyways. And so if a defensive line or linebackers are, are penetrating the backfield, it doesn't matter who the running back is, they're going down, uh, whether it's Pollard or Zeke. However, um, if, if you are able to find a, a, a small gap and, hit, and find a crease, Pollard just has more pop to where he, can, he, can, he looks like he's shot out of a cannon sometimes. And, I, and Zeke just doesn't have that element to his game anymore. So I almost wonder, you know, without, a, without your standard traditional opening up lanes with your tackles and, and guards and pulling guards and all that kind of stuff. I wonder if Tony Pollard's like a better fit for a, for a banged up offensive line. Yeah, he might be as long as you get some space on the perimeter or, right. or you're opening some holes. The one thing about Zeke though, is that he's going to keep hitting you in the mouth and that does take a toll on your defense. Um, so uh, I do think that there's value with that, even when he's, when he's not a hundred percent, because I just don't know if you go in the game and, and you without, let's say they went in the last night's game without Zeke and you're just going in with Tony Pollard and he's getting 20, 25 carries. Um, maybe things go a little bit differently, but I, I kind of like the way that they uh, are kind of different from each other. Uh, but I, I think that we're going to get our answer over the next 
month and a half, I think that you're going to see more Tony Pollard. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to be giving Zeke 15, 20 carries if they're completely out of it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, maybe we see a, a guy that that takes advantage of more more of those opportunities and, and gets more big runs like that. Um, I know certainly from being on Twitter last night, the fan base certainly wanted to see more from Tony Pollard. But, you know, Zeke's your starting running back next year. Let's see if we can ease up his load. Don't add those unnecessary touches to his body for next year when you're going to be trying to compete again. Now, last question before we wrap this thing up, guys. What are your thoughts on this being a moral victory? I know McCarthy had some comments on that. Um, I think I, I almost disagree with his comments on that. Uh, because I'm, I will take moral victories all day at two and seven. Uh, any any type of win is is good. But what are you guys' you know, thoughts on that? No, I, I think he will too. I just think what he's saying publicly, he can't say that. You know, sure. that's like acknowledging tanking. Like you're just not going to see anybody say that publicly uh, if it does get to that that point. So, except the seventy sixers, <laughs> right? Um, but I, I don't. I think that he looks at it. I think he leaves that. When he's when he gets in his car and he leaves the game yesterday, I think he's pretty happy with the direction he's seen these last two weeks. And what are they? They're two losses. So he's not going to say moral victories because, frankly, when you start talking about moral victories too much, you sound like a loser. You know, like yeah, this is this is the Dallas Cowboys. You know, this this isn't. Uh, <laughs> even though I did say it's that like, they were, it's like being in the hospital, but the doctor says you're improving. Yeah, That's yeah, how like it you feels. Gotta, at this point, and again, this comes on the heels of those two games against Washington and Arizona. If those don't happen, I feel a little bit differently. If those games are close and they just can't pull it out, then we're looking at four straight weeks of them just, oh, they just couldn't pull it out. They just couldn't pull it out. But it was so bad, those back-to-back weeks, that he has to be pleased with what he's seeing from several areas on this football team, even if he doesn't want to say, you know, we'll take a moral victory. Yeah, and I think also, you know, the fact that it came against the team that it did yesterday is even more is even more reason of a moral victory. Like, I, I mean, when, when the Cowboys kept it close against the Eagles, like, half of me was just saying, look, it's the Eagles. They're a really bad football team. And so I don't really even know if there is a moral victory even attached to keeping that game close because of just how bad the Eagles are. This is a quality franchise with a franchise quarterback, undefeated, coming into your house, favored by two touchdowns. And if you're able to keep that close, there's, I think there's definitely moral victory there. And uh, completely agree with John. Like, there's nothing wrong with uh, not acknowledging that publicly, but still knowing that it's true. All right. Well, thank you guys. Also, shout out to Greg Zerline, four for four on the field goals right there. Um, didn't get Maher yesterday, so we got that going for us as well. Uh, we have bye week, so we'll be back soon. Though we're not like we're not leaving here or anything. Uh, we've got a bye week though. The Cowboys are two and seven at the bye. 24-19, a tough loss yesterday at AT&T Stadium. Uh, make sure you keep it locked in to The Athletic. John and Saad will have more content coming, as well as Bob Stern as well. Uh, Bob Sturm as well, um, covering the Cowboys for you uh, in depth the way that they always have. These are our guys, all right? So make sure you go to The Athletic and subscribe if you have not done that already. For Father John Bashota, for Saad Youssef, and for our producer, Kent Garrison. I'm Kevin KT Turner. It's been another episode of About Them Cowboys. We'll see you soon. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>